Hey guys, welcome back. BDC Care here. We're back with season nine, episode eight of our weekly Q&A video slash podcast. If you're on YouTube, links in the description to get this on uh, a lot of podcasting apps and as an RSS feed. And if you are on the podcast, you can't find us on YouTube. We don't actually exist. We've deleted our channel. Um, so, you know, good luck with that. Uh, anyways, getting into our content for the week, our first thing, we want to come back to uh, last week's discussion of synergies for gear and character abilities, right. stuff that stacks, stuff that doesn't stack. Right. And I wanted to bring this up only because, not that it matters now, because this is one of the things that doesn't stack, but it's, I guess I like going over some of the things that used to work historically as a sort of, like maintaining an oral history yeah. of what the game used to be, because it's not... I think you get a, a different perspective on the game when you're new than when you've been playing for as many years as we have. For sure. So one thing that used to stack was healing. So back in the day, because healing stacked, you would have huge drawn-out fights. Some of the original gears that healed, for example, uh, you could heal 30% of your health with one special one mm -hmm. if you were carrying both mutated bone spikes and knife collection, or heal 75% with a special two if you had cybernetic exoskeleton, Kryptonian battle suit, and Martian hunter garb. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And if you could keep on doing that over and over again, then sure, you could do a bit of damage, but when they're healing that much, you'd be spending... I remember there was one fight against Man of Steel yeah. Superman... Because back then he was really the only option where you'd get your power back. Yeah. And he would heal so much and do it over and over again that there was a fight that dragged on for like 15 minutes yeah. before being able to finish it because he would just heal so much. This is brutal. Yeah. And yeah. so that was that was something that I'm glad that they kept out of the game because you should be able to either win or lose a fight, you know, in 15 minutes. One individual fight. There should be no fight that you uh, yeah. are just, you know that drags on that long. I remember we had a commenter that like sent us a screenshot of a fight they had that was like 42 minutes or something because yeah, yeah. uh, they refused to let go and it was a point of personal pride. And I have a lot of respect for that, but also, you know, that's a brutal thing that nobody should ever be subjected to unless they they choose it for themselves. Did I mention this? I must have mentioned this. You know that that glitch when Raven yeah, is becomes invincible. invincible? And you tried to make the fight last as long as you could. Because she was invincible. Yeah. I had... Uh, Batman Ninja Catwoman and I was trying to um, so I could heal properly I yeah. was triggering her special two over and over and over again and I remember that the the punchline of that story is that you recorded uh, but then it crashed and you lost it no we had it we lost it when we lost oh when you lost the hard drive hard drive on our old computer okay yeah and that was the hard drive that failed and we lost that footage yeah back so in the day go. yeah uh, that, so that's, that's the last thing I think we wanted to say about that, about yeah. synergies, because it's easier, like we always say with the glitches, right? Uh, mm -hmm. it's easier to know what there is synergies for and think about it that way. It's harder to think about negatives. It's harder to go, what is there not a synergy for yeah. that you'd expect yeah. there to be? Yeah. So our next question comes from Ryzen Vacha and they say, I suppose by underrated, and this is talking about Red Sun Green Lantern. Right. I, I pulled this question up at, earlier than some of the older ones only because it was relevant. It feels more like a discussion that we're having, yeah. right? That was from last week. So they say, I suppose by underrated, I mean how good they are compared to how often I see them in online multiplayer. I feel like I very rarely face a Red Sun team and it's so good. 
Also, counterpoint to yours, I see a ton more Hawkgirl, Blackest Night, than I do Green Lantern. Anyway, just thought I'd say my piece. Thanks for the content. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a totally valid use of the term underrated. But I, a lot of what the teams that you face and the characters that you face is completely influenced by the teams that you run. Yeah. And I will tell you, you might see a ton of Blackest Night Hawkgirl. I don't even think Blackest Night Hawkgirl is nearly as good. Or nearly as underrated as Hawkgirl Prime. And just to prove that point, the footage you're watching here is a team of Hawkgirl Prime, yeah. as you can see, uh, Lutra Bane, and Batgirl Prime. Mm-hmm. And I think very rarely do, does Hawkgirl Prime get the appreciation that she deserves, because when you look at this team... This is one example where we split the power tag and power generating gears. One on Lutra Bane, who's got Tansy Totem. One on Batgirl, who's got Master's Death Card, to tag them in and out alternatively, alternatively, mm-hmm. alternatingly, to really drop a nuke every time they tag in. Yeah. So, The other way you think about when people are underrated is whether people actually respect them or not. Mm -hmm. And I guess because that who you face in online play is so subjective and has less to do with what people are actually using than it has to do with how your teams are matched up. Yeah. I base a lot of it on how people are talking about it in our comments, but probably more so in the Injustice subreddit for the mobile game. And I you you watch all you look at all those tier lists, and I think even Blackest Night Hawkgirl gets way more love. I mean, mm-hmm. basically because she's the Blackest Night teammate of Flash, she gives him an automatic revive. Yeah. If she was nothing else, even if she was just dead weight, the fact that she's there doubles the effectiveness of your Blackest Night Flash. Mm-hmm. Red Sun Green Lantern, lots of people love him. I mean, I think there's no disagreement about how effective he is at making your team really, your Red Sun team really yeah. hardy. Yeah, a lot of people get elevated just based off of who they're next to. If you're if you're with somebody on a good team, you tend to get sort of raised up if you're part of a good combo, even if you're yeah. not as good on your own. Yeah. Or even if your individual contribution is just your name, right? Yeah. And I think also if your strategy for handling a, um, a Lutra Bane tagging in, like stun, or just, I guess, a random Cloak of Destiny then you probably have a lot more respect for Red Sun Green Lantern. Yeah. But I'll tell you, this team with Hawkeye Prime, super effective. Super fast. I don't know that there's a faster team than this other than Flashpoint. Yeah. You're, you're seeing it right now. That's one of the interesting things when you're talking about underrated is because it matters a lot exactly how you define and how you think about and the information you have in evaluating how other people feel. Right. So you can't really, you don't have enough information by yourself ever oh. to say if somebody's underrated or not. It relies on sort yeah. of an imperfect knowledge of the world outside of your own head. That's actually a really good point. I hadn't sort of framed it like that, but yeah, yeah. Because you can, other things you can make an, make up an answer yourself, no other context, just based on knowledge of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And getting into other people's head is kind of unreliable. Mm-hmm. And so even past, even if we have the exact same sort of 
defining criteria, yeah. which that's the other problem with underrated, right? Because we're that's we are talking about different things, right? How often you face an online multiplayer is that how highly people are rating it? I mean, that's one way to say underrated is oh, it never gets any play, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but all of these things, all these sources of information are biased in one way or another. Even going on yeah. and looking at tier lists, I think tier lists are probably the most direct way to get a sense of how other people feel about characters. Yeah. Yeah. But unless a tier list can, uh, includes everybody, what you're doing is you're getting a sense of usually how people feel about key yeah. characters, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, I guess the way to really do it is once you decide what tier list they, they are on, then decide how much that differs from where you think they should be. Yeah. So if you, where do you find that separation, right? Because you can be really good. Mm-hmm. But if people recognize they're really good, they're not underrated. If you think they're S tier and somebody else thinks they're A tier or A minus, are they really underrated? Are they the most underrated? Or does it have to be the biggest disparity? Is it the one that people consistently rank lower than you think they should be? Or is it the one that sometimes gets ranked the furthest distance from where you think they should be? Because Solomon Grady deserves to be low. Yeah. Hawkgirl does not. She is S tier. To me, for an advanced player, late game with full, uh, full options in the gears, mm-hmm. she is totally top tier. Like there, I don't think there's anybody better because nobody else can do what she does as well as she does. And she makes the entire team better. And you take away the vulnerability. Like a Lutra Bane and Batgirl team is potentially vulnerable. Yeah. Like Lutra, Lutra Bane is the classic glass cannon mm-hmm. where he is... Com- no, I don't think anybody else can nuke a team the same way he can, except maybe Batgirl. Um, but he, I think he does it better. But his health is yeah. lower than hers. And used to be Ares. <laughs> That's true. He but, can still kind of nuke a team, but not the same way. Not the same way, because anytime you can nuke a team on a special one is way better than nuking on a special two. Yeah. Because once you miss, once you whiff, once there's a revive, a resurrection, mm-hmm. n- then you're vulnerable until you can regenerate that second bar of power. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Uh, our next question, I guess it comes sort of as uh, two questions. Um and this first one sort of seems like it's going in one direction and then takes like a weird sort of turn a little bit. So uh, Chandler3 uh, says, quick question, do you know if this game will get any more updates? And this game is dead, uh, which is sort of like a, like an answering in their own questions. Like, will this game get any more updates? This game is dead. Uh, why do you still cover it? <laughs> which is not where I was it's, expecting it to go. I'm getting whiplash from the, the changes. Yeah, it's just... it was like a question and then yeah. a statement and then another question. Yeah. So that one... Uh, and then the related so one. So I, I already answered. I answered that in the comments originally. And I said, if we don't cover it, who will? That was my attempt to take a different direction too, right? Because yeah. the question is really is, why are you wasting your time? And I'm I'm intentionally misinterpreting as, well, why are you the ones covering it? Well, because <laughs> nobody else will. Yeah. Uh, and then the next question comes from Michael uh, Contagoulis. And they say, how do you guys stay motivated to play a dead game that has not had a meaningful update in over two years? Has it only been two years? Feels like it's it longer. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Injustice for me is without a doubt the best mobile game ever, but I just can't play it anymore when there are no new characters or events. I even started a new account like two years ago, but it was practically impossible to make progress as you could only buy useful packs with money. I do, however, respect your dedication in this game and can only hope that Warner Brothers will one day update the game and at least add a couple of new characters or a couple new characters, sorry. Um, So it's funny because I saw this happen, I think, with... Mortal Kombat X. I haven't played it in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they were as six, as unsuccessful, successful with this. 
All right, so what happened is, in the late stage of each game, in the late in the life cycle, and I consider we're, like, way at the end of the life cycle of Injustice, yeah. the, the first one, that they introduced sort of new categories mm-hmm. that made it impossible to quickly complete your collection. Mm-hmm. They, they introduced something to really make it drag out the time that you need to get everything maxed right. out. Right. And I think, I guess theoretically it's meant to extend the life the shelf life of that particular change before a new change has to happen so what i'm talking in a roundabout way about the metal characters yeah and they they even made an improvement because at the beginning i think it took 40 something copies of metal characters in order to fully promote them to elite seven mm-hmm. and now they reduce it to i don't know like 20 something copies which is still huge yeah. and one interesting data point is that until the most recent phantom zone event we had not up until then had enough valorium alloy to fully max out in the passive and the specials yeah all the metal characters even though we'd played every single phantom zone event Mm -hmm. paid for every single rebuy-in and there's no other place you can get Valorium Alloy. Mm-hmm. So, sure, it's a dead game, but we've been playing at a relatively high level. So, what I'm talking about is we're doing the highest level, the elite crystals, not the lower level crystals, to get the most Valorium Alloy. You can't get Valorium Alloy anywhere else. And it still took us until just now. Mm-hmm. So, there still is a challenge. If you're playing it as a, a collection game, as opposed to just a straight fighting game, mm-hmm. it... it, it it only recently died for us, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's something to do. It's the, that, That's the thing about routine. It's for a lot of these people, and we've mentioned this before, a lot of these people don't have a YouTube channel uh, where their core audience is people who came for Injustice. And we sometimes talk about other stuff. Right. Uh, and we'll have back and forths about other stuff. But we're, you know, we've, we've got this thing going here. And it's pretty enjoyable. So yeah. that that makes it a lot easier, and we've said this before, sort of tongue in cheek, like start a YouTube channel about it. Yeah. But what it really is is that we've sort of got our little community, uh, whose main sort of connection to us at a, at a fundamental level is the game of justice, right. and that makes it a lot easier of a sell right. for us, right? And how we spend our time is participating in this little community, right? And I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, if you're looking for us to do something else. There's a weird intersection of stuff right now, Mm -hmm. and I think I can, unless somebody tells me otherwise in the comments, I can almost guarantee you that our core audience will not care about this. Did you make a Wordle video? So everybody's heard about Wordle, right? Yeah. Maybe. All right, so let me maybe quickly explain it. It's a game. You have to guess a word. You get six guesses. Um, It tells you it's like Mastermind, where it tells you if it's a wrong guess, if a letter's a wrong guess, if it's the right guess for the letter but in the wrong place or it's mm-hmm. the right letter right place yeah and then those are clues so that to narrow it down before you run out of guesses in six and then recently it's been purchased by the new york times right and you're not allowed to do inappropriate answers anymore I, I, yeah i don't know about that i i just know that there's i've seen a bunch of variations and one of the variations is speed wordle now they, it's in a lot of ways i think it's like injustice fighting against opponents teams i'm pretty sure they tell you it's that it's against other people, but it's not. It's against, I think, an AI. Oh, is it really? It feels like it because sometimes I've played it long enough that sometimes the guesses that the other person makes are all the same. And the, the guesses that the other 
person, yeah. I'm, I'm doing air quotes, makes don't follow the rules of what you're allowed to guess. Oh, and you've tried to do their guesses and it hasn't let you? Right. Yeah. Okay. So I think, but it's, it's speed world. So that's, that's actually probably to me more important than the fact that it's supposed to be competitive. Yeah. And I'm pretty good at it. It's an intersection between me wanting to play games, me also being like a, a a decent boggle player. Yeah. So I've, I've set up, if you're interested, if, if, let me know if you're watching this or listening to this and mm-hmm. you're interested and you want to see a strategy and I can explain the strategy for Wordle play the same way that we've explained the strategy for injustice, the way we set up yeah. teams and stuff. But it, that totally hits my sweet spot or my itch. It mm-hmm. scratches my itch. I think we've talked about this before. It would be interesting. You should try um, joining it from a laptop or something that you can very easily disconnect from internet. Yeah. Uh, and then start a game and then drop Wi-Fi and see if it plays out. Right, because uh, if the if it's designed simply, if it's designed in a way to eat the minimum amount of your data, it won't have a network check, and it'll still finish out the game. The AI will still keep playing if you disconnect. Right, right. Uh, but we, we, I think we've talked about those things with bots before. Is because online games are way more compelling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, multiplayer games tend to have a lot more sort of. Uh, inherent value and they can be the same thing over and over again like I mean one of the reasons the one of the only reasons that we were able to play justice there's no online mode um, even though it's not live online play uh, there would have been so much less content it would have been so much simpler right. of a game um, right. and a lot of you know games that become and stay popular aren't single player games they're games that have some community building around them and live multiplayer is one of the easiest ways to do that um and so there's a lot of online games that will spoof uh players because the uh, the uh, it's a great way to give your game longevity the other thing about it is that if you don't have an initial player base your game is essentially unplayable unless it launches with enough people and right. keeps enough people and you can have a, a <laughs> dead game really easily because the problem is if somebody comes in and they have to wait five minutes for a match mm. and then you know their match is only whatever the minimum number of people to start it with right, right. nobody wants to play like right. a battle royale game that has like three players right right and these spaces aren't built for it um so one of the easy ways is to just spoof it and make it seem online. And there's been a thing where a bunch of mobile games uh, have done that. It's become increasingly common. And what's mm-hmm. interesting about that is that it's this weird sort of uh, replication of an aesthetic uh, that ends up feeling very sanitized. And if you realize it and you you have that experience of, oh, I thought I was playing online, but I'm not playing online, mm-hmm. uh, it can feel really, it can feel a bit like a rug pull. Right. And there's a lot of, Stuff around that. I've seen games, actually, interestingly, that uh, leverage that idea of, like, real online interaction, the way that games can sort of live and die. Because it can be kind of sad when you have a game that you really Mm -hmm. love, Mm -hmm. and then the player base dies, and then what you essentially have is no game afterwards. There's a game that I have not played a ton, but I've talked about before that I absolutely adore, (laughs) Quantum League, right? Mm -hmm. That didn't didn't have a big enough player base, and it died. And I've had... Some of the most fun I've had playing a shooter with my friends of uh, wildly different skill levels, right? Right. Uh, than I have in, you know, um, almost any other shooter context. And it, that game just didn't have the player base. But there's, I've also seen games um, 
where they are single player experiences that have purposefully been designed. Like I've seen, uh, there's like a genre of like dead MMO walking simulators where it's a single player game. It was never online. And uh, the conceit of the game is that you're going through an old, like early 2000s MMO that it's been abandoned by the devs and that nobody plays anymore. So you're going through these spaces that are, that have, that they've designed to look like they were made for, you know, thousands of people and walking through them and sort of then picking through what's left. Uh, almost like a like a like apocalyptic yeah, story. Yeah, it's like it's like a po- it is it's like a post apocalyptic story that's leveraging uh, nostalgia for online spaces that uh, mm. have lost uh, their sort of life force. Right. It's like it's that you're playing through a ghost town post apocalypse that is you know like an early two thousands right. RPG. Right. So you bring up a really good point that I agree with, where the 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 real interaction, even the illusion of interaction is so important and in, in, in sort of enriches uh, the experience of playing. So yeah. I, I have a question for you then. Do you think, I guess it would depend on how much server costs are, but do you think it then it was a mistake when they pulled the ability to replay games so that you could watch other people attacking you and see what they did and how they fought and the strategy they used, mm-hmm. when, whether they beat you or didn't, so that you could learn more from them and see other people playing? Because that's more of that... Yeah that's actually closer to real interaction than it is playing against the AI and fighting multiplayer. See, I think there was definitely value to it. I was personally sad about it, but I don't think for any one person that was the thing that made them keep playing. I don't know if that did anything to play very long-term. And my bet, anyways, would be that the vast majority of people didn't actually look at it. I would bet you that only the most dedicated people looked at it, mm-hmm. uh, that it was the real sort of data-crunching nerds, <laughs> and that's us. That but, it was so good though. Like when you, you know what it was like being able to watch other people play in the strategy that they mm-hmm. use and figure out what was possible. It reminds me of uh, professional athletes going into those uh, rooms with their VHS tapes of the <laughs> games and then plugging them in and then going, "Oh, where did where did I mess up? What did this person do when you're training?" Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you're, you're studying your opponents so yeah. that you can uh, so that you can learn from them. But it, it's so much more helpful though before you've established your own sort of internal. Yeah, I don't know what's the framework like play style when you've yeah yeah like when you it, haven't built that muscle memory yeah. those those premises those uh those basic assumptions that you use yeah. to build up your strategy because it's not like we never have new strategies but there's certain things that mm-hmm. are that seem obvious and I don't know how much of that was just from gameplay from watching other people play or just thinking about or watching the AI play against us mm-hmm. yeah I mean people are missing there's a, a I feel like there's a richness of the experience that people are missing out yeah. on because they never got to see those replays. It's true, yeah. And so I, th- I think that's the one thing. Like, I wish Injustice, if this game had live um, multiplayer matches, that would be pretty cool. And I know netcode is hard for that. And right. the other thing about real live experiences versus simulated, um, like, m- online, like, multiplayer experiences, is that the non-simulated ones can be pretty crummy if they're done poorly. Yeah. I know, like... Um, the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, right? With Nintendo Online, that it could be really sort of slow and jittery. And if one person had a bad internet connection, it could really ruin the right. experience of a right. fight. Um, and so, you know, you obviously have to do those right. But when you do, uh, there is so much, so much replayability for a game that has sort of satisfying yeah. mechanics and just lets you play online. Right. I mean, there's a reason why games like Gary's Mod uh, got had so much life in them. Uh, for being, you know, really like a goalless sandbox simulator is that, you know, there was enough 
meat on those bones that you could do stuff and muck around and you could spend, mm. you know, pretty much as long as you wanted uh, right. doing stuff and you could really find the fun in it. And there's, you know, I've, I've never, you know, I like single player games and I like story a lot, but I can really sink my teeth into multiplayer stuff uh, in a way that I... I could never get the same sort of amount of time uh, and put the same amount of energy into. And so, I mean, Injustice, I think, is in this slight limbo, right? Where I think it could be better on that front. But I think it has just enough that there's there's some sort of, some teeth to it. And then I think what pushes it over the edge is actually participating in the community that operates entirely separately from the game that you do not need to play the game at all to participate in the community right uh or sorry that's not true you 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 wouldn't enjoy participating in the community if you didn't play the game at all but you don't need to participate in the community at all is what i meant to fully um get everything out of the actual physical game itself you never need to go out and look at anybody else's opinion or look at a guide or anything else or go on the subreddit to you know play the game but you're but enriches it yeah, yeah you're missing out on a lot yeah 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 anyways yeah it's funny too i mean we're getting asked what seem to be very similar questions but we're i I feel like we're pulling something different out of it when we come back to it after a bit having just more time to let it percolate in our heads yeah yeah i i do miss those those replays yeah yeah i just there's a real sort of sense of loss because i i think that's the thing about these you know games is that when they are a social space, and that's what I've, I've talked about before, is the really interesting thing about big tentpole AAA releases, uh, playing them live versus playing them later. And I think I've mentioned this before, where because when I started playing video games, I used to uh, get stuff for exceptionally cheap. I had very little disposable income, right? Uh, and I had a lot of time to play video games because I was a child and I didn't have a lot of responsibilities and it was pretty kick-ass. Um, but then the older you get, you get more money and then you get less, uh, less, uh, time to, uh, to, that you need to stretch that dollar. And so now I have more games than I ever need to play. And a lot of yeah. the stuff that I do play ends up being, you know, like little, like injustice and other little you know, side things that you can right. steal time for. Right. And so I was getting all these games for, you know, 75%, 80%, 90% off. And I was coming to these, um, communities and spaces and i would be looking up guides and stuff and you're sort of unearthing stuff that people have found before you and there's you know rich discussions and to some extent for the really big things like there's all there's still memes about skyrim there's still all that but it's a very different experience to be playing a game while people are talking about it while stuff is happening well you know every time a new bethesda game would come out the other thing is that it would always the only like three quarters working there'd be a huge number of bugs and i would people would talk about all these bugs right and all the ways that things used to work and i was coming to these games as polished as they were ever going to get right Mm -hmm. you know they if they released in these half broken states and so you lose um the opportunity to be part of that cultural conversation and even if you don't actually you know talk about it with anyone necessarily that there's these conversations happening around you know if you look stuff up there's people finding new things and you know it's a a big you know experience there's gaming youtubers who are posting the reviews or gameplay videos and all that stuff and then it it quiets down and things the the cycle for this stuff is also not that long when it's a single player game so it it goes away pretty fast like you know i played cyberpunk like a few days after it came out Mm -hmm. and i got to experience that buggy mess that caused you know, CD Projekt Red to get uh, sued 
by their investors for false advertising and, uh, you know, made the PlayStation pull it from their digital stores and all that stuff. And I was, you know, kind of sitting in the middle of it. It was a very different experience uh, to, you know, coming to the game, you know, a long time later when it's, you know, ridiculously on sale. And the things that have been said about it are already, you know, gone. So that's, as you're saying that, I'm thinking you're totally describing... I, I never played any of those tentpole AAA games, but yeah. you're totally describing my experience with Injustice. Yeah. Where we got a chance to be right there. I mean, the cost of buy-in was nothing. Yeah. But there was a huge amount of interest in it when there was new characters, new modes, new this, new mm-hmm. that. And we got to be a part of that. And that was that really was why it was so exciting. Yeah. Because even, even before they had multiplayer mode before you could play with other people yeah that whole experience of hey do you remember when survivor first came out i do remember when survivor and first came when out. we thought oh we need to do some videos on yeah. how to play and we did it like right there that first week that was exciting yeah or when multiplayer first dropped and i was like talking about like gear combinations with like my friends on like uh on like the yeah. bus when we were at summer camp, like That's on our hilarious. way to like something. Yeah. It, well, it Wait, was, did they know you had a channel? Yeah, they did. Okay, so they knew that what you were talking about was hap- th- th- that kind of conversation was a manifestation of something that was happening at a, at a, a bigger, broader level. Yeah, it was a whole huge <laughs> conversation though. Like they would, we would like play like on our breaks, and we just like look at each other playing stuff like that, and you know, we like it was a really strong social experience, um, despite the fact that we could never actually just go head to head and right. and and fight you know right. i remember somebody like saving up enough credits that they were going to buy like five packs for it and they really wanted like aquaman and we like they got it and then we we're like yeah we're all like really hyped <laughs> up because they got the specific character that they wanted after they right. saved up enough credits they're like come on come on come on come on right they knew exactly what they wanted or like knowing that shazam was there but not any of us actually right. having shazam yet right and knowing that they were a chase and then go oh when i get him yeah i'm gonna put him with this gear i'm gonna put him with this gear and, you know, oh, think about that. You can make this team, right? And then yeah. just that sort of bouncing off each other. I, I, I really do miss making those sneak preview videos where with each update, new characters would come and before their release dates, before the challenge that mm-hmm. was coming, that we'd have an account where we could demonstrate. There, it was pretty exciting, yeah. And so that is that is a really sort of unique experience. And I think there is for anybody who's like had that experience on the internet there's a lot of stuff on the internet for the fact that there's documentation for a lot of it yeah there's a huge volume of information and data out there but there's also a huge amount of places and spaces that you know the people say that it's going to be there forever and mm. it's they're they're dead they're dead and gone and you know maybe you can find them but there's forums with like thousands of you know pages of discussion on them that haven't been you know updated in a very long time right and so i think it everybody uh who is discovering topics also gets a little bit of a chance to be sort of like an amateur archaeologist you get to sort of poke around in places and find stuff and so i think you know and it's interesting actually one of the things is the way that everything's become centralized it's getting harder i think to find and stumble onto those spaces uh organically <laughs> when they're gone right the right. way that you're finding most stuff through google right and you're so you're naturally sort of getting the stuff that's still being worked on and updated and has you know uh the seo for whatever new stuff right uh right. The, the way that the content is sort of bubbling to the top there's sort of uh uh it's like when cities are built on top of cities there is mm. 
we're sort of going to all these hubs where, you know, a, a site like Instagram or Facebook, right? Their whole point is they're giving you the new stuff. There's years <laughs> and years. And if you right. go on like an individual person's profile, there's a huge amount of, you can go all the way back. But if you right. want to find like the way that conversations were happening, you know, right. a year ago or two years ago on Facebook, you can't. Maybe right. with the Wayback Machine if you wanted to, but it's it's really hard. It, you don't have these things preserved the same way because there's a lot of algorithms now that are based off of recommending you the fresh stuff and that are keeping you right. with with sort of the good stuff. And so everything's jumbled together and uh, they're they're just sort of naturally floating to everything to the surface. Right. And that's why there's um, do you know Wint or Drill? Yes. Uh, you know the way that he'll retweet people from like 2013 <laughs> who have like five followers who like stopped posting a while ago and it's a, he'll it'll just be somebody who's who is like you know like I'm lonely does anyone want a message and it's like and if you click on their page they have like five tweets and it's like some like middle-aged like dad who like just went through a divorce and you're like how does he find this stuff and it's because you know you're so used to just seeing what everybody's yeah. talking about right at this second on Twitter that it's weird <laughs> yeah. for him to be able to just sort of reach his hand into this grab bag of of yeah trash like discarded stuff and so th those ones for me are always they're entertaining, but they always make me feel a little weird because I'm like, there's there's all of this stuff and we, we really are the way the internet is. I think it used to be a lot less organized fundamentally mm -hmm. and a lot less centralized. Um, and it the, it's it's weird for all the data that's still out there. Right. The ways that we can only interact with it in these sort of piecemeal fashion and the way that it's hard to sort of actually have that like... So sense un, of what like an uncurated experience. Like. So if it feels to me like what you're describing is that the fact that it's it starts off with this huge spectrum of yeah. possibilities and not possibilities but actualities, mm -hmm. and that in a lot of ways it's the experiences become narrow because certain voices, certain things have become so much more amplified, and a lot of what's lost is it's just lost as it gets older. Yeah, and so. But it's still there. That's the weird it's, thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, you yeah. you move houses and somebody, you've moved all your stuff. And when you lose something, it's just sort of gone, right? Yeah. There's a lot of physical goods where it's either there or it's not. And the right. internet exists in this weird state uh, where it's a lot of it is still there, but it's harder, well, nearly impossible to access. So, I, I mean, you say some of it. I mean, pretty much with the Wayback Machine, yeah. the Internet Archive, it's pretty much all of it if you, you, if you have the patience to dig. Like what? What do you? I've used the Wayback Machine, and there's been pages I haven't found. Different. Some stuff is cached, but some stuff isn't. I mean, they have crawlers, and that, that's the other. That's the interesting thing about that is, but you can't go on like Wayback Machine and then Wayback Google and then go to other pages through Google right. that are. No, still you have old. to know what you're looking for. Yeah, you have to know what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah. Uh, it's it's you're like searching through <laughs> like a library of content, but there's you know trillions of messages and web yeah, pages that yeah. you would just you never would know to look for. Yeah. Yeah, and the way that we are looking at stuff, it has been increasingly... Like, recently I tried to find somebody who um, I really liked on uh, TikTok, mm -hmm. uh, Skady420, and she's still active on Twitter. And I tried to look her up, and I realized that she was banned, and all of her content's just gone. So there's also some stuff... Banned on TikTok or yeah, Twitter? Yeah, banned from TikTok. Oh, um, what? How do you get banned from TikTok? A lot of people get banned from TikTok. It seemingly happens for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of people who I feel like shouldn't have gotten banned on TikTok who... Um, who do, and there's also a lot of people who really seems like they should get banned and who don't. <laughs> it seems like it's a very uh, unbalanced system. There's a lot uh, of arbitrary. There's a lot of criticisms about how TikTok handles a lot of things. Um, yeah, but uh, 
So there, there's stuff that you also, just because of the way things work, that you assume is going to be around forever, that can just get wiped really easy. And I don't think there is a repository of all of her content. Uh, I don't know. I I didn't do a huge amount of digging, but I didn't find any if uh, if there is. So yeah, there's. It's just it's. I don't I don't know if there is an equivalent, right? Because I only know my own right. lived experiences. I only know what I've been around for and what I've experienced. But it's really weird to have right. stuff sort of uh, to to interact with the internet because most right. of it is a really smooth very sort of centralized sanitized experience and right. it's weird when you right. do stumble on those like like just w- sort of dead data and right. dead spaces and right. and yeah i don't know yeah so capricious that was where i was thinking of. oh i guess it is a little bit sad too i, I was thinking you know what when you're talking about that i mean i don't know maybe i, I know what you know but I don't know if the people who are listening know that I have a, I have a special interest in hand strength. Yeah. And I remember the one thing that inspired me all these years ago. I mean, the grip board is good. It's still alive. And, but there's a guy yeah. who had done, uh, who had certified as captain crush mm-hmm. and his, uh, partner was also interested in it. And I remember there was something on his, he had this GeoCities page yeah. that was really inspirational <laughs> and interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I went looking for it the other day and couldn't find it. Yeah. And it, it, it's that even knowing where it was and there's something that was so, it felt like it was so important when I saw it because yeah. it was, it, it changed. It's a big deal. It changed the direction I took a lot of my workouts. I mean, I, yeah. I know I posted some of my workouts, uh, some of my personal bests on, on our channel too, but mm-hmm. that was foundational to me. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I hadn't stumbled upon that, I never would have gotten into grip. Yeah, so you looked at it and you tried to go on a pilgrimage back to it and yeah. you didn't find it and it was yeah. gone. I think that's the other thing about the internet is that you expect a lot of stuff to stay there. And so right. then when it doesn't, you have a different sort of understanding. Like when you have a conversation with somebody, I never yeah. go, oh, let me just like, you know, control F search like our, our, the words that we've said to each other out loud. Right. But that's even on this channel. And I go, oh, we talked about this. I know we talked about this. And yeah. I just like, I don't have the tools. I, I'm not going to be able to, even if I wanted to access that conversation again. Right. And I kind of feel like I should. So there's this weird, it's a weird balance of stuff with, with things online. And, you know, people can find stuff. That's like when people are like dig up like old tweets or like, you know, uh, with yeah. the with Joe Rogan, right? Digging up the stuff he said. Right, right. People can find stuff. And when you're dedicated, there was recently like a, a Flash game that I, I found. And there was a little while there where I was like, oh, I love this game. And I could picture it in my head. And I wanted to find it so bad. But I felt like I didn't have the tools. And so, you know, Flash was down. Uh, Flash is not there anymore. So you have to do these weird workarounds for Flash. And I didn't know the game. And I was like, oh. And so I, um, I like made a post on uh, Reddit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I ended up finding it cause there's like a, like a flash game, like subreddit where you can ask for them and stuff. So it's, it's just weird. It feels like there's all these artifacts and that, that's the other thing about like flash games, right? Is that I can play most of them. The majority of them I can play if I do workarounds. Mm-hmm. Some of them though, I find them and I know them and I want to play them and I'm like, Oh, I remember this. And then I just can't. And so there's this, it's a weird sort of sense of loss when I'm sitting in front of the game that I, I remember and that I wanted to play. And I, it's just that it, it's like a, like a cool twist of fate that this one game is yeah. not playable on flash. It's like a weird experience and I'm not yeah. nearly old enough, uh, to have any sort of, I don't have like a, there's not a, like a long tail of nostalgia for me. It's right. all pretty recent stuff, you know, relatively so speaking. Is that crazy then that there's seems because 
Is it just that the people who have money and nostalgia are the ones that are able to bring things up? Because I'm thinking about all those consoles, even like 10, 15 years ago, where you yeah. could play 80s video games mm-hmm. on these little things that you plugged into your TV. And that's still happening, but they're just making it better yeah. with better interfaces. And you're talking about stuff that was just less than 10 years ago yeah. that feels like it's completely lost and it'll never be recovered because there hasn't been the audience for the same way. So is it that there's an outsized influence of the 80s and 90s or is it really just that these are the people now yeah. with money and the motivation to capitalize on that nostalgia in a way that you, they can't because the people logic for stuff from years ago yeah S- stuff is going to come back around i mean i is it though i literally had a yeah i had a conversation in one of my classes uh today like right after the class about like club penguin uh, oh and people my love god club penguin. yeah club penguin but you know, and Webkins, because Club Penguin is down now. Uh, oh, I th- is it? Yeah, Club Penguin. Club Penguin is down. And so the servers are not. Yeah, functional. I, I not. think there might be somebody else uh, running a like sort of Club Penguin fan thing. Um, but I don't. I don't even know. I think there's still a way of accessing it. But yeah, no. So that's that's the. <laughs> it's it's a it's a weird balance of stuff. I don't think I've. I don't know if I have anything to say about it. But it's weird. I have a lot of thoughts about it. And we can sort of yeah. talk around it. I don't know if we're gonna hit on anything. You know, especially poignant or uh, well, I don't think we're going to find out or have real answers to any of these things that we're sort of questioning until another 10, 20 years from now. Yeah, when the generation that was influenced by that comes of an age where they have the yeah. money to actually feed that nostalgia. I think it's a lot of things. I think it's also like yeah, it's money, but it's also the tools to uh, you know make these things come back, right? Because I think more than just money, you know, for a lot of this stuff, like what you need is you need, like, people to make emulators, right? So you need yeah. time and talent yeah. and, you know, maybe for... Th- that's the other thing for a lot of this stuff is that if there's questionable legality because most a lot of these projects are not necessarily... You're not going to come back to them um, and have the same people, you know, want to spend all of this time. Like, uh, people who made Flash games, a lot of people who made the best Flash games work for game studios now. Right, right. They're or they're they're some sort of uh, you know coders, right? Mm-hmm. So they have other work, and so if they come to it, I mean, maybe they they come back in like ten years, right? Mm-hmm. And right. they uh, get a nice little payday from from working on their own stuff. But you know, they've all, these are also to some extent like early creative pursuits of these people, right? Uh, and they might you know be moving on to what they feel is bigger and better things. So a lot of it is you know. Like, you don't necessarily want somebody to reboot it. You maybe just mm-hmm. want, like, somebody to have an emulator and then, like, technically, I think, illegally in terms of copyright, like, right. put these away uh, to play it back up. And for a lot of the... For people who release these games for free anyways, I mean, right. it's not like they're making more or less money than they were originally right. for putting these games right. up. There's a lot of people who are putting a lot of time and effort into just making cool things to experience for free on the internet. And that's that's some, something I'm kind of sad about is I don't feel like there's as many gaming experiences that are weird and experimental and not for money. I think there's still cool games out there if you want to find them. But I think there was, I think one of the other things that, you know, it's been a lost a little bit from the earlier internet and I see glimmers of it 
in like how well like the injustice mobile wiki has been maintained and stuff like that right right and like the subreddit and moderators and there still are a lot of people who just want to curate cool experiences for people right but like even this like our youtube channel we're here partly because of the ad revenue and partly because of the patrons and ad revenue is nothing yeah, I know. But that that would we be doing it if there was never any ad revenue or patrons or anything? No, would we probably have just not. Been doing, no, probably no, for not. sure not. For sure not. So, I mean, our our content is is I think mostly free from that sort of uh capital and mostly free from the influence of uh, you know, acquiring value, but I feel like there's a lot less yeah. experiences out there yeah. that are purely interested in making stuff for people yeah. and ex- being excited in the process and building those spaces and there's a lot more especially as things get sort of more uh, centralized. There's a lot more focus on sort of extracting value. So I'm going to, the last bit I'll say maybe is like a, a story, like a hopeful kind of story. Yeah. Cause you, you talk about this stuff and it reminds me of back in the, I want to say nineties, late nineties, mm-hmm. early two thousands when DVDs were still a thing and popular shows would get their DVD releases and they were yeah. really expensive. And if you weren't a popular show, you wouldn't get a release and it felt like that some of those niche shows would get lost forever. Yeah. And the one that I'm thinking about is a show called My So-Called Life. It was where Claire Danes got her big start. Yeah. It was a great drama. It ended after one season. Mm-hmm. It got really great critical reviews, very poor uh, numbers. And before there was any inkling that maybe Disney, I think the Disney Channel ended up re- rerunning some of the episodes. Yeah. But that there was no hope that we'd ever get to see it again. And if you saw it, it was... It was gone. It, it was, was gone. Ephemeral. It was, you know, you saw it on, um, what is it? What do you call it? Uh, network TV? Yeah. Cable? No, well, no, no. This was ABC. So okay. it would have been... Or was it CBS? I don't know. Uh, it, doesn't matter. It, was, it doesn't matter. But that they would be lost. And so there was a huge campaign. It was a ground roots campaign mm-hmm. to try to get it released on DVD. And then there's a whole other story where this one company... What had promised to make it and they took okay so here's here's the thing yeah single season tv show they were selling it for i think two hundred dollars Ooh, it would come with like a special lunch box yeah and a special dvd like a with collector's edition like steel case or something yeah and the steel case was a lunch box yeah and so that and then they they never well they went out of business yeah and they di- didn't not deliver it but they delivered it poorly so that a lot of people didn't get it or had to wait a long time or they got double billed oh 200 bucks that was a lot of money then. yeah and but it eventually got made and that was the first show that sh- that demonstrated that there was still value in low rating shows and that people would be willing to spend money to get it so that even though back then before that you never would have imagined that something with that small an audience would have enough uh capital mm-hmm. to justify uh a product so that you could actually have it yeah. long term like i'd be able to get at it after it had gone off the air yeah so that that leaves me hopeful that maybe another 10 15 20 years the stuff that you're nostalgic for mm-hmm. will make have a revival yeah yeah anyways so yeah lots of, lots of food for thought yeah I think that about does it for this episode. A lot longer than we normally go, but we had some stuff to say. Yeah. So, uh, to finish up, I'd like to give a shout-out to Eliza John Cena Caton. You can't see her. Her time is now. Uh, I think this is probably going to be the last week in the wrestler-themed ones, just because... I, I don't even get that. Uh, you know, John Cena's uh, theme song, that... 
my time is up. Your time is now. Oh. You can't see me. My time is now. <laughs> and then he does the he does the thing where he like sort of holds his elbow and he waves his hand in front of his face. Uh, the viewers can't see this, but you can see where it goes. Oh, is it like you a, can't a, see a, me? It's like an adult version of Peekaboo. Um, no, <laughs> maybe I don't. I don't know how to interpret and answer that question. Okay. I know what you're saying, but I don't know how to answer. Um, no, you know John Cena, the wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, and we'd also like to give a huge thank you to all the lovely folks who support us on Patreon. That would be Victor Gomez, Consul Peasant, and Ed Wound at the top tier, Last Word, Cinemac, and Muhammad Al-Shady at the Your Message Here tier, Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Aaron Mall, Michael DeVries, Brandon C., Irvin Ruiz, and Eddie Dew at the credited level, and Chris Wolf, Scarlet Danny, Awesome Gamer 2 for 1, Pavu RS, Gavin Malat, and Isfra E at the gratitude level. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Komoda.